It is midday here at KRVN on this Thursday, the 16th day of December. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Glad to be a part of your day. Well, hopefully you didn't have too much damage yesterday from the amount of wind and, well, some tornadoes in some cases and snow in other cases, hail for some areas in the Hastings region. Just a wild day. We'll get more about that uh, with our regional ag weather update in about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins. Jason is in with sports. As you heard the promo, again, high school basketball tonight on the stations of KRVN. But, of course, the uh, Nebraska volleyball team, Final Four, playing Pitt tonight. We'll have that for you right here on KRVN. Jason has more on that in our sports preview. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing and looking so far on this Thursday. But, as we always do, every single day, let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, in the eastern half of the state, looks like things got a little wild for your area yesterday as well. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. You know, I got to go out and storm spot. And it's a first to say I was storm spotting for tornadoes on the 15th of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it uh, it was not ideal. If I remember right, did I see some pictures that Columbus got hit pretty hard with some nasty stuff there? Columbus got hit pretty hard. My neighbor lost um, a big chunk of his roof to his machine shed, um, a lot of down power lines, a lot of just craziness. But here's what's funny. The dog's wading pool, which disappeared the last windstorm, reappeared last night. <laughs> that doesn't we even make no sense. Clue. No clue where it was. <laughs> or someone was else's wading pool just yard. came back. What's that? Or someone else's wading pool just ended up in your yard. Very well could possibly be. Well, all right. Well, what comes around goes around, I suppose, right? Yes. All right. Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday? We'll kick it off here at 1219 with Alex. When Megan's mom asked her if she wanted to start a business, her response was, yeah, why not? And that's what they did. So we're going to learn more about MMM Dry Goods. That's coming up here at 1219. We'll let Jason talk about 1245 as he's got that. At 117, Bryce will step in as we look at the National Biodiesel Board and get comments about Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson, who many of us farm broadcasters call Mr. Biodiesel, by the way. So we'll have more on that. All right. Good stuff coming up. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yep. I'm wishing everybody a Merry Christmas since I will be on vacation next week. Ah, that's right. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you as well. All right. Thanks so much. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. Big night for Husker Volleyball. That it is. Back in the Final Four, coming up at 12.45, we will hear from John Baylor, the radio voice of the Huskers, get his take on tonight's matchup with Pittsburgh. Uh, He says, do not sleep on Pittsburgh, even though it's not a name that Mm -hmm. Husker fans are not really familiar with this time of the year. This is a very good team that the Huskers square off against as uh, Pitt comes in 30-3. and three. Also, uh, we'll look back at recruiting day yesterday. Uh, if you missed any of that with the Huskers and what K-State was up to. And a big game tonight for Kansas City. Chiefs on the mm-hmm. road as they take on the Chargers with first place in the AFC West on the line. I would rather have the Chargers win. Just saying. If I had to pick of the two, I'm just picking one of them. That's who I'm picking. I'd pick the Chiefs because of Mitch Holtis. Okay, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Understandable. All right, good stuff. Uh, Bob Rogan, how are stocks? Edging a little bit higher on Wall Street, investors studying more moves by central banks a day after the Federal Reserve announced an acceleration of its pullback of economic stimulus. Also, the bankers are out saying that the rural economy remains pretty strong in uh, 10 states in the region. So we'll have details on that. All right. All that and coming up more. 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And Paul Perkins is joining us in the studio. Paul, will be able to catch your breath since yesterday? <laughs> a much more relaxed weather situation than, uh, yeah, yesterday afternoon's weather situation, especially from about 2 to 4 when I was on the air. Uh, definitely a precarious situation. You know, I've never... I can't ever recall seeing, like on our map that we have, look at for severe thunderstorms, warn, mm-hmm. severe war, storm warnings for yeah. like a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning. I can never remember, you know, warning boxes being that big because right. basically those storms say they were in York. I swear that box was all the way yeah. to the Iowa border yesterday. No. Well, that's a great point because when they were really starting to fire off, you know, right before we handed off to you, you're right. It usually only have like a couple of counties or mm-hmm. It's one county, yeah. But at the point, at one time, I'm like, listen, it's everything from Carney to Aurora. At yes. that point, was in it. That's rare that we see those those kind of. Uh boundaries, if you will. Yeah, that ex- that entire line of uh, thunderstorms from northern Nebraska into northern Kansas, all along that line, yeah, there was some true. kind of a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning in a few instances. And of course, we did have some reports of tornado damage and wind damage in and around the Hastings area from those storms and actual tornadoes on the ground, lots of reports of wind damage. The top wind gust that I did see yesterday was up to 100 miles per hour at Russell, Kansas, where they have... Understandably, some roofs yeah. blown off, trees damaged, up to 98 miles per hour in the Salina area, and a 93 mile an hour wind gust in Lincoln, up to 80 to 85 in much of central Nebraska, including right around Grand Island. And it's just wild because this time yesterday we were at 60 degrees and now we're at 33. Yeah, much cooler. Uh, those uh, cool front moving through last night, and of course, producing also a snow squall. Yeah. Something that yeah. we, <laughs> you, heard, you talked to the National Weather Service guy earlier today, and our first snow squall warning ever being issued, I think he said, didn't he? Yeah, he did say that. Listen, those are things you get like up in the Great Lakes area, <laughs> up way up further north, but not in these areas here. And our phones are going off like crazy. And you probably received one as you're listening to us as well but boy it was wild yesterday yeah and luckily that snow squall kind of tapered off yeah, as the sun right. went down mm-hmm. and there wasn't too much in the way of any travel difficulties but it was kind of precarious from the nebraska sand hills down through about north Platte to lexington before that snow squall kind of let up uh, early evening well today much quieter, that is for sure, and cooler for most of the listening area. Yeah, right now those temperatures across the area in the mid to upper 30s. We do have some low 40s in eastern Nebraska from Omaha down to the Hebron and Beatrice area and also over portions of northern Kansas towards the Hill City and Grinnell, Kansas area, and then points to the south. Mostly dry weather continues through at least the middle of next week, even though it will be as much as 25 degrees cooler behind that cold front from yesterday. Both today and tomorrow will still be slightly warmer than average our winds today much lighter as high pressure builds in tomorrow's winds will remain fairly light but switch to the northwest in behind the passage of a low pressure trough on saturday that will be our coolest of the next seven days with temperatures slightly cooler than normal winds may be a bit breezy for tomorrow night into saturday as the system passes to our north slightly above normal temperatures return for early next week with the ridge of high pressure a weak cold front will cool our temperatures just slightly for wednesday before we see another warm-up with another 
another high-pressure bridge again late next week. The long-term forecast for Nebraska and Kansas continuing warming the normal temperatures and below normal precipitation all the way through December 29th. Checking the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped 8 percentage points to 23% drought-free. Non-drought areas include from around Elm Creek and Overton down to Alma on over to Superior, much of eastern Nebraska, and in the north-central from Springview to Brewster, much of Nebraska abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe drought is found in the southwest corner and north of O'Neill. The driest area in Nebraska in the southern half of the Panhandle was severe to extreme drought. Kansas dropped 6 percentage points to 48% drought-free. Abnormally dry areas include much of the north-central and right along the Oklahoma border in the south-central and southeast. For western Kansas, it's mostly abnormally dry to a moderate drought. There is severe to extreme drought continuing in the northwest and the southwest corners. Key weather factors in the markets include recovery from a strong storm, rain in the delta in Midwest, and the return of dry conditions for Argentina and southern Brazil. A departing storm crossing the upper Great Lakes will have diminishing impacts across the plains in Midwest. The storm's trending cold front, though, stalling across the Mid-South and the Ohio Valley, where three-day rain totals could reach about one to three inches, and that's in areas that they saw, of course, the tornado damage from last week, little or no precipitation occurring into early next week across the central and southern plains. The recent rain missing western wheat areas of the southern plains as drought continues to grow. There's also no significant chance the western southern plains sees any meaningful precipitation in the near future. Central Brazil will continue to see daily rain chances, a benefit for their developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. Southern Brazil, on the other hand, going dry once again with the dry trend expected to last for about a week. Towards Argentina, dryness is settling back in for most of the country's growing regions. Rain redeveloping this weekend over southern Argentina, not guaranteed to spread to the north next week with dryness more likely. Argentina's soil moisture reserves may not be enough to stave off stress for the developing corn and soybeans. But yeah, yesterday taking over for about 2 o'clock, Tyler Cavalli, he was long gone. He was a jet trail out of the control room after that severe weather outbreak. Listen, I had enough with all these tornadoes. Uh, trying to just even... Listen, This I joked about it yesterday. I mean, you on live radio, we gave it to you yesterday. There was just up-to-the-minute changes just like that, where there was going from, well, this might be a tornado, and then it's like, oh, nope, now there is, and yeah. now they were canceling stuff. It was it was wild yesterday. It, it was, you know, looking at that map, it was hard to even look and determine yeah. where to go first with yes. any storm warnings. Yeah. Multiple yeah. reports of storm damage and wind gusts yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was just quite the situation. But, uh, those storms moving very quickly, 80 to 85 miles per hour. So if they were speeding down the interstate, they would get a ticket. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Depending what direction you were going yesterday at different times, just put that thing in neutral and just push it right down the road. No kidding. All right, good stuff. So a more mild and quieter forecast, at least for the next couple of days and into this weekend, uh, the relatively good news. You mentioned you can find more on our weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Entrepreneurship journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. And so she texted me and she was like, Hey, Megan, you want to start a business? And I was like, Yeah, sure, why not? Thanks so much for joining. That's the voice of Megan Gilmer. She and her mom have always been close, but they've taken that relationship to the next level and becoming small business partners just a few months ago. 
Megan and her mom Michelle created MMM Dry Goods. It's a business that takes ordinary food ideas and adds a bit of a twist. They focus on making drinks more doable and food more flavorful. Think every kind of hot chocolate flavor imaginable to chip dips, dry rubs, pancake mixes, and more. My mom had the idea one random day to create hot, like, basic flavors or your basic mixes and just add a little flavor to it. And so she texted me and she was like, hey, Megan, you want to start a business? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so we just started brainstorming, uh, created social medias, all that kind of stuff, and just started marketing. And then she finally created some products. And now we're just on a roll. Since Megan right now is in college, she and her mom actually live a few states away. So here's how their business functions. Megan's mom creates and packages their dry goods products. Megan manages the orders, runs their website and social media, and attends craft shows. She said once she graduates college, she'll start helping a little bit more with the product side of their business. But right now, she said owning a business with her mom is the best part. It's with my mom. My mom has been my rock and I've been her rock my entire Mm -hmm. life. And we're just super close. And I love doing work with my mom. She's a go-getter. I'm a go-getter. We just love to get things done. Megan said the idea to start a small business stemmed from the pandemic and the limited availability of goods in stores. We were like, okay, this is going to be something small where it's just online or just on Etsy. And it's growing super fast, and it's kind of crazy, oh my goodness. but we have a lot of plans for the future, and we, we hope they align perfectly. Megan said their biggest goal is to open a storefront in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We would make our hot chocolates and sell them made mm-hmm. or and packaged, so that way they can take them home. Um, we also do, like, chicken rubs, so we would make, like, salads and serve lunch. And so, so we cool. kind of have, like, this vision of a restaurant slash retail shop. Megan said she knows that with big ideas comes the hard work to get there, and she recently became one step closer. The Angler program held a rotating pitch competition. These applicants had three minutes to pitch their business on the Ferris wheel at Shields in Lincoln for the chance to win either $1,000 for first place or $500 for second place. She almost didn't do the pitch at all, but Megan ended up winning second place with her three-minute pitch. I really didn't want to do it at <laughs> all. And then my That's mom so was like, Megan, you need to do it. Like, this could be our start. We had already qu- kind of started the business. Yeah. But it, like, didn't really. It was launched, but it just wasn't there. Right. And so I was like, I don't know. And she's like, please just do it for me. And I was like, okay, fine. And so I did it. And yeah, I got second place. It was kind of scary because. There were 19 other contestants, and there were some really good ideas. And my mom kept telling me, even if you don't get anything, Mm -hmm. we have the business. It's starting. So I went in with that mindset of, you know what? It's okay. Just have fun with it. That's Megan Gilmer. She and her mom created MMM Dry Goods, and you can learn more about their business on social media or find them on their website, mmmdrygoods.com. You can also learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. Iron.com. 
It's time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen is joining us in Nebraska Volleyball, one win away from making the national championship game. Yeah, national semifinals tonight as the Huskers will take on Pittsburgh. It's been quite a postseason run for the Big Red and head coach John Cook talks about how it's all come together. Well, like I said, uh, they've embraced their roles. We have a thing called We Over Me, um, and it's part of our culture. Uh, and you know whether they're starters, non-starters, whatever, this team has really, really embraced that. And I think that is probably a pretty dramatic example because Lexi has played in the past and has played this year, and and they're all in it for each other. And it's probably one of the reasons we're here. Now the Panthers come in 30-3. and They're making their first ever appearance in the Final Four. Tonight's match is scheduled to start around 8.30. We'll bring it to you on 880-KRV. And the other national semifinal features Louisville against Wisconsin. That one begins at 6. Husker is very familiar with those two teams, losing to both this year. I would anticipate, this is a guess, uh, from what I've seen this year, Louisville, I would think, would advance I yeah, think. We'll see. That'd be all right because Nebraska's had issues with Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. And what a storyline that would be. Former no Husker kidding. Danny Busboom mm-hmm. coaching against mm-hmm. the Huskers and John mm-hmm. Cook. Hopefully mm-hmm. it comes to pass. That would be actually pretty neat if playing for the championship yeah. game. Obviously playing before, but the title on the line, that'd be awesome. Husker football announced its newest collection of players yesterday. Nebraska signed just 13, and that class, however, is ranked near the bottom of the Big Ten by most recruiting services. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying what others who watch such things say. But they've also had good recruiting classes, and it really hasn't panned out either. So maybe this is good. <laughs> and hopefully they can uh, rope in a couple of transfers. So they, they need some help at a number of different positions. And they're looking for quarterback through the transfer portal, right? I, mean, they, mm-hmm. I think he mentioned that yesterday. They're looking for the right one. At least one, maybe two. Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman announced the signing of 12 high school prospects and one junior college prospect yesterday. Thus far, K-State's class is comprised of seven players on defense and six on offense. Morningside senior quarterback Joe Dolinchek has been chosen as the NAIA Football National Player of the Year. Uh, he's led the most lethal offense mm-hmm. in the country and has guided the Mustangs back to the national title game for the third time in four years. Uh, he's thrown for more than 12,000 yards at his 47 games and recorded 128 touchdowns compared to just 30 picks. Uh, I remember watching him in the Shrine Bowl. Uh, you, you could tell uh, Morningside got a good one there. Uh, the second-seeded Mustangs will play third-seeded Grandview on Saturday night at 5 down in Durham, North Carolina for the NAIA title. Surprise, surprise. Morningside back in the national championship. Yep. And uh, Urban Meyer is out after winning just two of his first 13 games as head coach of the Jaguars. Owner Shad Khan finally uh, pulled the plug. I saw a great line today or a meme about Urban Meyer it said he found out how hard it is to coach football when the other team's paying their guys <laughs> yeah. too which makes a lot of sense <laughs> so true <laughs> yes. so true also not the biggest surprise either no, too he... much too much bad things oh, circulating yeah. so all right mm-hmm. we'll see what happens thank you very much on Facebook Time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder joining us here in the newsroom. A lot going on, and uh, what are we starting off with today? 
Well, a northeast Nebraska man has been found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and the killing of his fiancée last year on the Winnebago Indian Reservation. The Sioux City Journal reports a federal grand jury found 27-year-old Jonathan Rooney not guilty of second-degree murder in the killing of 22-year-old Cozy Decora, opting for the lesser charge of manslaughter instead. Officers responding to a call for help from Decora in May 2020 found her burning remains in a fire outside a cabin near the Winnebago Reservation. Rooney was found sleeping in the cabin with the couple's four-month-old son. A late strong storm system set off tornadoes in central and eastern Nebraska and high winds statewide. Meteorologist Corey Mead at the National Weather Service in Omaha says warmer than normal temperatures for this time of year contributed to the severe weather that occurred. Those storms interacted with very strong winds aloft to organize and produce uh, areas of very strong uh, winds. There were at least 13 tornadoes reported in the Plains State, scattered throughout eastern Nebraska and Iowa. In some areas of Kansas, winds whipped up dust that reduced visibility to zero and caused at least four semi-trailers to blow over. The Alden Capital Group Hedge Fund stepped up its effort to buy Lee Enterprises this week by filing a lawsuit against the newspaper publisher, accusing Lee's board of improperly denying shareholders a chance to have a say on its takeover offer. Lee rejected Alden's offer to buy the company for $24 a share, or roughly $141 million, last Thursday because the company's board decided the offer grossly undervalued the company. But Alden argued in the lawsuit that Lee shouldn't have rejected its offer and rebuffed its attempt uh, to the company's board deciding to nominate three directors without even talking to the hedge fund. Lee officials said Alden's claims are baseless and its nomination form was clearly invalid under the company's rules. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. 760. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Tonight, the Husker volleyball team is involved in the national semifinals when they take on Pittsburgh. We're joined by the guy who will call the game on the Husker Radio Network, John Baylor, the voice of Nebraska volleyball. John, thanks for the time. Uh, Another Final Four match to call. I'm sure this never gets old. Never gets old. I love it. The media's here. All the coaches are here. It's a big coaches convention, and the stakes couldn't be higher, and it's an accomplishment just to get here, but I figure, you know, you work so hard just to get here, you make that uh, come true, but since you're here, why not? What the heck? Just win it. What about this team? Everyone seems to have uh, wrapped their arms around this bunch. They had they had some stumbles during the regular season, but, but a young team, but certainly Coach Cook has them playing a great volleyball at the right time of the year. Jason, they're amazing. They just exuded togetherness from day one, and Every team talks about how we have great chemistry, and most do here at Nebraska. But this team, wow, they just seem to really enjoy themselves. They spent more time together than almost any team except maybe last year's team because of the precautions you have to take uh, during this time. time. So they still just love being together. They love playing together. All the, the reserves, the players that are not actually in the match are cheering so loudly, and they just it's just wonderful to watch that, that this team is truly – a team they have this theme uh, we not me and and they really live it out let's look back to the last uh 
Saturday night. What a performance to knock off the evil empire in Texas. <laughs> what, what, was, what was your thoughts calling that one? I, I know you're pretty fired up. <laughs> well, uh, if you've ever listened to Yankee baseball in the old days on radio, I think I'm a full-fledged Phil Rizzuto uh, type Homer now on the air because when you're playing Texas, it just brings it out. I mean, I was just so excited, so happy for them. I could feel the state craving a big win against an arch nemesis, and it it all happened. You know, just the every the the pressure that team had going into that match. I was talking to Lindsey Peterson, the director of volleyball operations, formerly Lindsey Lindsey Wishmeyer, national champion in 2000, uh, at at lunch at the hotel, and I said. I don't think this team realizes how much psychic energy is being exerted by 2 million folks back at home focused on this match. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't tell them, do not tell them. <laughs> Maybe they knew, but uh, it was just amazing to win there against that opponent and an opponent that, you know, just has fans that were booing the Huskers when they got off the bus, were booing the Huskers when they got on the floor were just incredibly loud. Like the DJ had the volume at a level, a decibel level I've never heard in an arena. The, the players couldn't even hear the coaches during the timeouts. I mean, of course, Texas had the same environment, but it's a little different when it's a friendly environment versus a hostile environment. Just one of the absolute great Husker volleyball wins ever. I, I think it's arguably the second greatest. I know there are a lot of old-time Huskers who uh, – you say, whoa, hold on, let's think this one through. But, I mean, the 2008 win at Washington is probably number one, coming back from down to love, the regional final, Jordan Larson and the Miracles, and this one's right there for number two. Today we're joined by John Baylor, the play-by-play voice of Husker Volleyball, as he gets set for the big match tonight. In the uh, Final Fours, Nebraska will take on Pittsburgh. What about these freshmen? I mean, it's, it's one thing to be touted, but it's another thing to deliver, and they certainly have down the stretch. And it's kind of come, not out of nowhere, Jason, but it's it's all come together simultaneously so that no one has an off night suddenly when it matters most down in Austin. And what I think has really helped Lindsay Krause is that she got benched probably for the first time in her life, and Whitney Lonstein out of Waverly got to play a match and half of another match. And I think that kind of lit a fire under Lindsay because she's a different player all of a sudden, and it's only been three weeks. And Allie Batenhorst, I think, like C Sun suddenly got to play a couple matches. And I think since it was so late in the season, Allie realized, whoa, if I get one more chance to audition, it's probably my last one. Like, this may be it. I've really got to deliver. And she has over the last week. And then Lexi Rodriguez. I mean, you can't take your eyes off her. I mean, she, when was the last time you, all you wanted to do is watch the libero? She's just amazing now. True freshman, first team All-American. Just stunning as a chance to be national freshman of the year. I think to be the first libero to ever do so. And then... Don't forget, we have Kennedy Orr hasn't played any, and she was the number one recruit in the country, and she's the setter of the future. Whitney Launstein has one of the fastest rocket arms I've ever seen. So it's just a, an amazing group of players who, right, you're right, have have uh, have uh, met the the moment and have uh, have met their uh, the headlines, uh, and so they've equaled the hype that we heard before they arrived. All right, how, how do you see this one tonight against Pittsburgh? What, what's the big keys for people to watch for and listen for tonight? Pittsburgh is tough, Jason. They're, they got two setters. I haven't seen a two-setter offense get this far since probably 2004 when USC was the last national champion that ran this unconventional two-setter offense. So that's unusual. They've got great leapers. 
They've got great chemistry. It's been a slow build, right? You know, who's Pittsburgh? Where did they come from? Well, they've just been getting better every single year under Dan Fisher is now in his ninth season. So this is not a flash in the pan. This is not a one-year wonder with two or three foreigners. In watching them on YouTube, I'm thinking, man, I could really get behind this team. But of course, they're playing Nebraska, so that won't be the case. But this is a formidable group. They've lost three matches this year, two against Louisville. There's no shame there and then one in five against Georgia Tech. This is a very difficult match for Nebraska. Do not look ahead to Wisconsin or Louisville. This one is going to be really rugged, as of course they always are in the Final Four. This is a little bit of an unorthodox team. It's going to be a tough matchup for Nebraska. That was John Baylor, the radio voice of Nebraska Volleyball, as the Huskers get set to take on Pittsburgh tonight in Columbus, Ohio. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jay.com. Stocks wobbled in trading on Wall Street today as investors study moves by central banks to fight rising inflation. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 rose one-tenth of a percent and has been hovering around the record high it reached last Friday. The tech-heavy Nasdaq slipped seven-tenths of a percent, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose five-tenths of a percent. The muted trading came after the Bank of England became the first central bank among leading economies to raise interest rates to fight inflation. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve of the U.S. announced an acceleration of its pullback of economic stimulus as it pivots to fight inflation. At last check, the Dow's 30 industrials were up about 91. Both the Nasdaq and the S&P were down. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose last week despite signs that the U.S. labor market is rebounding from last year's coronavirus recession. The Labor Department says jobless claims were up by 18,000 to 206,000, still low by historical standards. The four-week average, which smooths out week-to-week volatility, fell by 16,000 to less than 204,000, the lowest level since mid-November 1969. Industrial production increased five-tenths of a percent in November as output at U.S. factories reached the highest level since January 2019. The November gain followed an even larger 1.7 percent increase in October, which had represented a rebound following a 1 percent drop in production in September. The Bank of England has raised interest rates to combat surging consumer prices. Today's move makes it the first central bank among the world's leading economies to do so since the coronavirus pandemic began. The increase in the bank's main rate to 0.25% from the record low of 0.1% was a surprise given the rapid spread of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus across the country. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. about all the happenings of the National Biodiesel Board. Nebraska native Greg Anderson joining us, soybean farmer from Newman Grove, Nebraska. And Greg, it's always great to see you at these kinds of events, and uh, you're sharing the story of biodiesel. What are some of the latest developments you'd like to share today? A lot of good news concerning biodiesel and renewable diesel, certainly. We uh, think of the growth that's ex- we're ex- experiencing here this uh, last year or two, and it's exciting to see now uh, California, one billion gallon annual uh, market. Uh, they're using biodiesel enthusiastically just because of the fact they want to reduce carbon and uh, certainly we've always been a clean fuel that uh, when you're using a biodiesel at higher blends you reduce uh, emissions 
reduce uh, particulate matter and all those things that are harmful to the environment and to human health. And so uh, with that, uh, we're seeing an active growing market there. We're also seeing an active growing market now that we're starting to enter the winter months already uh, out in the northeastern states where they're blending biodiesel in with home heating oil and heating uh, literally millions of homes and, and thousands of businesses uh, with uh, bioheat. What's exciting out there, too, in the northeast is uh, they're upping their uh, blend levels. So uh, what was a B5 maybe a couple years ago now is a B10. What was a B10 is going to go to B20 by a certain year. And ultimately, the goal is to go B100 uh, net uh, zero carbon by the year 2050. So this will command more feedstocks, uh, more soybean oil, uh, good for farmers here in the Midwest uh, and all sectors of our ag economy. So, Greg, you mentioned not only biodiesel, but renewable diesel. That's a bit of a newer concept for some of our listeners and viewers today. What is that, and where do you see the opportunities? Yeah, so uh, renewable diesel is just a different process. It's not biodiesel. A biodiesel is, goes through a process uh, called transesterification, which takes it, removes the glycerin out. Uh, usually, most biodiesel plants are, are a bit smaller, uh, you know, 10 to 30 million gallons, and some are larger. But uh, renewable diesel is uh, uses uh, hydrogen, so it's uh, often some of those plants are next to uh, oil refineries uh, where much uh, hydrogen is in abundance and used. And uh, those, uh, the good thing about renewable diesel, though, it's just a different process of, of making a renewable fuel, uh, but it can be put directly into a diesel engine and it works seamlessly, beautifully. It uses the same feedstocks as biodiesel does. So when we're talking about, well, looks like a lot of this uh, pendulum is swinging over to uh, renewable diesel and how will that affect agriculture? Actually, it'll uh, just enhance uh, what biodiesel is already doing and done, and we'll build on that because we're still using soybean oil, canola oil, corn oil, uh, animal fats, uh, waste grease, and the, and the like. So now we're talking, you know, bigger plants. Those are bigger plants. They're more output each year. Uh, uh, some of those plants are, are almost a billion gallons themselves. And so uh, a tremendous demand for agricultural uh, products and uh, things that we have an abundance of. For the producers out there and you yourself, Greg, that's what end of the day matters. Soybeans are still being used. And Talk about the work that the National Biodiesel Board to ensuring that uh, the big user of soybeans remains there. Well, the National Biodiesel Board is a very diverse uh, group in our membership. We have uh, anyone from farmers like myself to actually biodiesel producers, uh, renewable diesel producers, marketers. I always like to say, though, that the, uh, the biodiesel uh, industry in the United States was really founded by the soybean checkoff. Uh, soybean farmers uh, many years ago saw that we needed to have a home for our soybean oil and say so we needed to use it now in an in, uh, industrial way rather than just food. So we could do both food and fuel and use it successfully. There's lots of things going on as always. Greg, appreciate you uh, sharing some of this information with our listeners. Greg Anderson, he's not only a farmer from, from Newman Grove, Nebraska, but also here today representing the National Biodiesel Board. I'm Brian Stuskit reporting. Network. Let's talk now with John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's, or excuse me, with Stone Axe, and publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. And John, we've got a positive day really across the board. A lot of green on the screen. Wheat finally making a turn. Was this solely based on that uh, export number coming out at a marketing year high this morning? Well, I think that was that was what we really wanted to see. You see a nice week like that, six hundred thousand bushels. You know, most of the time you'll hear between two hundred and four hundred on a good time, good day. Then you get to follow through with corn. Uh, combined with a weak dollar. So those those are the, uh, the kind of sparse you need uh, to, to get the market moving. And 
would have liked to have seen the KC maybe close a little better, but uh, five off the high isn't, isn't anything to complain about. Uh, what's really amazing to me is that the, the interest rate market hasn't moved at all. Uh, in fact, it's actually gotten weaker since the Fed said they're going to tighten. So uh, it's, it's a, a wacky market. I don't think chasing headlines is going to get you very far. And that is one thing, trade headlines and sell newspapers, I think, is the old adage that comes with that. Now, when it comes to the soybean complex, meal actually takes a little off the top, soybean oil coming back up. It sounds like the refiners are still uh, working on this renewable diesel aspect, and we've kind of reintroduced that demand story. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I certainly think the speculators watch that stuff, but, you know, you see India buying today 20,000 gallons, which is uh, really, really nice to see. I mean, you've got got demand out there and and in the in the in the case of oil especially bean oil or vegetable oil specifically you've got major problems in canada the the french and the german stocks are getting drawn down because of weak production in the last couple of years and a weak euro so there's a lot of importance come from there and then uh, malaysian palm oil is at record high so it's a kind of a there are some individual things that are going to move oil. I think certainly in the last couple of months, as we've seen harvest, uh, that's really benefited. The supply of, of domestic crushers, they are the winners right now because they're not being competitive with an export space. Uh, and that's really where, where you want to look. If you're looking to invest in companies, I would say look at anybody who crushes oil right now. Uh, the, the margins are fantastic, and the export market's pretty good for the oil itself. For the meal, it could be a little better. But it, it, that's always potentially there, uh, and then you have what could be a really big bean crop in the in the future with uh, you know the price of inputs where it is. So I, I like oil in the long term. I think you know breaks down to where we were. I think probably put a pretty good low in for the short term, uh, and 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 I look for us to be above sixty sometime by the by the summer, unless you see some sort of huge huge crop come out of Brazil. But right now we're staring at dry forecasts. That is John Payne, marketing analyst with StoneX. More, learn more at StoneX.com. Do you remember, trading futures and options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing.